All right, welcome everybody. This is the Joe Danier podcast, and uh, I want to welcome all my brothers and sisters that are in the pursuit of trying to make themselves better. And you know, where this program isn't like a self help deal, where it's not a totally constructed program that takes broken people and heals them. Uh, this is you know epiphany moments where light bulb goes off, and you have some kind of. Uh, you know, close proximity understanding of something new. And then so I'm able to vomit it into a microphone and share it with people who might also take some of those things and, um, and, and, and you know, attach them, attach them into their normal processes. And maybe I can help add uh, some of my, uh, you know, crazy musings and, and, and help you, you know, get come to some understanding. So I have this very deliberate process. And I'm constantly coming up with new ideas, but I have a really logical, organized brain that likes to compartmentalize things that otherwise would seem pretty random. And so I have this process where I will take a new idea and I will allow this new idea to exist in the abstract for absolutely as long as possible. So I'll think of an idea and I'll, I'll write all the elements down on a whiteboard. And then after I write it down on the whiteboard and I'm still happy with it after I've seen it visually, then I write it down more in a business plan model, spreadsheet, mathematics, metrics, all of this kind of stuff to see if mathematically it's a sound idea. And the first part, when I'm writing on the visual board, I get super excited. The parts of my brain light up because they're seeing it in visual form. It's starting to take shape. And then I'm, I allow it to sort of diminish a little bit when I start adding measurement to it. Because when you measure it, some of the error you know, comes out of the, you know, the balloon, some of, some of it comes off of the wing a little bit, right? The lift is, is definitely, if not neutral, it's sometimes minimized. It's out of the sail. Right. And so, um, I, I since I know that's going to happen, I'm going to fall out of love with it just a little bit when I start measuring it and taking it from that standpoint, remember a different part of the brain that you're, you're courting when you're, you're trying to make sure that, a, a, an idea is mathematically sound. The next thing I do is I find someone who's practicing something similar to the idea that I'm having out in the real world. And I go try to meet them. Someone, maybe not in my local market sometimes. Yeah, totally down the street from me, but I find a friendly, someone who's already doing it. I would say, Hey, if you get in your time machine, you go back to the day that you started this, uh, would you still do it? Right. And that way I can gauge the happiness based on, uh, what their response is. So they're like, Hey, you know what? I would never choose this again. If I, uh, if I wasn't already in it, that's information that I can take back to my whiteboard and find out why a practicing, right. Someone who's doing this, uh, wouldn't do it the second time. And that would definitely be my next, uh, you know, my next question is why, why the heck would you not do it knowing what you know now? And, uh, you know, it doesn't, that's not a, a, you know, a game ender for me because of course I'm, my imaginative spirit is going to obviously customize it and not do exactly what somebody else did. But I want to know from somebody who's got more information than I do, what they would do. Could they go back, you know, if they could go back in time. So that's what I call best practices. I find somebody who's already doing it. Um, and then I'm basically going to construct, I remember I have to reinvigorate, I have to re-engage myself and, and, uh, and get myself excited. So now it's time for small scale. So I take whatever the idea is and I try to prove that I can do it, right? So I have the ability. So I, I'm doing prototyping and I'm inventing and I'm getting all excited because I'm, again, bringing my idea into the real world. Then I have to prove that people want it where you know, there's a demand out there and, and I can walk up to somebody who's, you know, it has to be somebody who, who's objective. That's not your buddy. That's going to tell you what you want to hear, but I'm going to say, Hey, I'm inventing this thing 
And this is perfect for a person in your position, something, you know, uh, in your business or whatever. Would you buy it? And how likely would you be to sign a purchase order on it like today, right? And you get good feedback from someone whether or not they're buyer. Now, if I can sell one, I could sell a million. And so I'm a, I, I have a scale, I have scaling in my body and, you know, but I have to have proof that there's a demand for something before I know what the hell I'm, I'm scaling in if I have a good enough understanding because you could practice business a long time. But there are so many different flavors that become workable at different periods of time in business cycles that my flavor sometimes just doesn't match up with how things are settled in. So I have to know bunches of flavors. I have a preferred flavor, but I also have to know bunches of flavor. And this kind of experimentation is twofold. I get to prove out the idea that's on the table and I get to learn about different flavors of uh, of business and processes that other people are trying successful or not. Your way is never going to be the only way, right? It's just lots of different ways uh, become, you know, lots of different ways become accepted by the masses. So it seems like there's only one way of doing things. But us breakout people, sometimes we go off onto our own thing because there's less people there. And when you're trialing something out, uh, you know, the public, you benefit from the public knowing about something, but if you're brand new, just starting out, you, you get deluded because people are ahead of you and they've got more experience than you and they've got customers already. So what are you going to do? Go out there and be a, uh, you know, try to lower your rate and try to out bottom to the barrel or bottom of the barrel people. I mean, that's the worst thing that you can do thinking that you pr cut your price and you're going to pair off the worst customers in that sector versus go do something different. So one personal story about, about me is I got started in the computer industry when there was a computer company and a computer service company on every block. Everybody figured out that you didn't need to be licensed. You can set up a store and you can work on computers and nobody knew anything. So it was a great business to be in. So I got in business at the absolute worst time because comp competition was at the highest and so what I decided, and even though I knew how to do computers, what, what was my uh, business plan? Well, my business plan does not say repair computers. My business plan says demonstrate the coolest shit in technology and help people set up stuff that they want, don't need, right? That was my business plan because I, I love lasers and I love, you know, multimedia and I love things that flashed and things that made noise. And I, I love things that called your attention almost through the entertainment faculties of your brain rather than uh, the, you know, watching a podcast for uh, neutral sounds in the background that helps you center yourself. Right. And maybe not podcasts, but you know what I mean? The, the stuff that we listen to sometimes to escape versus things that engage us and, and command our attention. That's what I, I was after. Now, it wasn't until I got involved in setting up these spectacle marketing. And I put that in air quotes for those of you who can't see me because I wanted to draw attention to myself by doing shit that nobody else was doing in front of people that had no idea some of the stuff was even possible. That's That was my sweet spot. And I built a computer service business that 90% of everything that I did was fixing your computer. But the premise was what I went to market with was I'm going to demonstrate things you don't know how to do. And I bought the loyalty 
and the notoriety and the feeling that my customers gave me, I proved my intelligence based on I was doing shit that they didn't understand. And even if they didn't want to set up, you know, a, a laser in their living room that bounced off 15 mirrors and created a cool pattern in their living room, right? They didn't want that. But hey, I mean, I can invite that guy in here to fix something. He's If he knows that, then I absolutely know that he's going to know how to fix my computer. And uh, first business was hatched out of that, you know, primary premise, not served. Not That's my mission statement, but that's not what I'm doing day to day. Uh, but that's what got me into that second dimension of, uh, of operations was I had to do the first dimension of operations. I had to be freaking different. So I was talking to a, a politician and we, uh, you know, f- through what we do in marketing and with recording and creating multimedia, uh, they were looking through their running for an office and they were looking for a, a way to get their message out that they're running for office. And my thing was, okay, well, look at your comp- competition and you want to do some of the same stuff that they're doing, but you're going to win because you're willing to do something that they're not doing. So I want you to look at what they're doing, find something they're not. And I want you to drill into that thing that they're not because you won't have competition there. So unless you are better in every way than they are, and you can do the same marketing that they do, I mean, you guys are just going to tie, right? And so you need to stand out by doing something that then instead of you chasing their actions, they might start to chase your actions and you will become uh, the, the person of authority by being emulated. Right. And that's when you'll know that you have the, you know, the advantage in the upper hand. And that's what I do every day is I invent things that my competition isn't doing. I do them, I do them really well. And then I set that standard. And some of those things fall flat because some of them are even too new and cutting edge for the community to buy into and know why we're doing, but some of them are really thoughtful. Some of them are, are, are things that most people wouldn't think of. And that's where my sweet spot is. And all of my marketing is it's just communicating and telling your story with people and not doing it the same way so that you get drowned out and diluted down to the same shit that everybody else is doing. And that's that again, this is not, this feels like that this is the secret sauce in the deal, but everybody freaking knows that because everybody knows this because they do, you do this in your, your personal life. Right? How many of you just want to join the parade and how many of you want to lead the parade? Well, I, and I've, I've been like really praying for a, a moment like this with an audience like this because I, I really want to, to uh, instruct people to know their sel- their, themselves a little bit better than they do. People listening to this, okay, you got four groups that I'm going to throw out there. There's more than four, but I'm going to throw out four. There are some of you in this audience that could be standing right next to me and saying things right next to me. You know that your type of personality is that you should have followers and you should have people that are waiting for you to say stuff. You're listening to me, right? Just like I said before, as a best practices, you're seeing what you're going to be doing in the very near future. So I'm gonna set you as friendlies next to me and know that you should be standing next to me. The second round of people, wouldn't necessarily get on stage or get in front of the microphone, but they're waiting for the words that inspire them into action. So they're waiting to get something. They hear something and are ready to capitalize it. So there's going to be a point in what they hear today that they want to hit the, pa- the the pause button and they want to go get something done. They don't want to even hear the rest of what I have to say. They're waiting for their go moment, their inspirational moment, and they're ready to you know hit it. Now, the third group is when you hear something I say, you will listen to the entire thing. You will wait till it's quiet, so there's nobody looking at you, there's nobody, you know, uh, paying attention to you, and then quietly you will go start practicing what you heard here. 
and you need nobody to be looking because you're a little uncertain about it as well, but you are willing to dabble into it. You're willing to give it a little bit of credit and start seeing what it can mean to you. So you have the guy on stage with me. You have the guy that's ready to run out the front, the, the back door to start practicing something they just heard. You have the guy that's going to wait till afterwards and then slowly and methodically uh, see what they like and what they don't like. And then you got the cynic, the person that's in this audience right now that's listening to everything I say, arguing with everything that I say, but they are freaking processing it. They might not be consciously accepting anything, but they're engaged in it and they're doing more thought and more challenge than any of the other three groups. And those are my four favorite groups in all of this because all of them have productivity at the end of the day. They shit is going to get done at the end of the day. And it's just as a speaker or as a leader, capitalizing, not taking one group and making your favorite and then disarming the other three groups. It's getting in front of all four of those groups and giving each one of them some raw meat to go do their thing with, inspiring them and getting them all practicing. Because the more people that are practicing in their own world and making things happen, the more productivity. Like I could tell everybody that there's prosperity everywhere and there's money everywhere and it's infinite, right? And there's certain sects that just won't believe that that's even a thing. So my words aren't going to show that, but what if I had a group of a hundred people that were out there creating prosperity through what I'm talking about right now? And how do I keep those four different characters fed so that they go out there and creating more prosperity for themselves uh, and their family? And then lastly, what do they owe me for, you know, what do they owe me for getting them to that mental spot? My job is to get people to a spot where they don't need me anymore, right? So what's my inspiration? for going out there and creating more, you know, acolytes in this, you know, hunt for prosperity if my sole obligation is to uh, get rid of you, right? And, and, and so that you don't need me. So all of these very inspiring questions, that's what I want to leave you with. I'm not going to answer them for you. I want you to think about them and know that you're going to be in that role. You might not be in front on a stage or in front of a microphone, but you will be in a role where you've got those people in front of you. And now you know what to do with them. Instead of letting them frustrate you, you know that you need to capture each one's attention, right? That's number one. If you're on a stage, it's easy. They're looking at you. If you're in front of a microphone and you're recording, everybody who's listening is going to be looking at you. So, but if you're not on either of those things, you're going to have the attention of maybe one person in front of you, and they're going to be one of those five, four people that we I, I just illustrated. Figuring out super quick which one of those are, and handing them exactly what they're after. And you know, if you're if you got four people in front of you, know that you probably got all four. Worst case, you got all four personality types there. And so part of what you're going to say is going to apply to a certain number of them, but not apply to an another one. And that's going to be your finesse is being able to give red meat to the people that are in front of you, even if a portion of it is not for everyone. So if you're sitting in that audience and someone's talking and the words aren't resonating, how long will you wait for your message or how long will you wait until the stuff that applies to you? Not long, right? So the finesse is before I lose interest in sitting there, Right. So who's going to sit there longer of those four personality types? The person who wants to be on stage with you, the person that wants to run out the door and start acting on things, the person that will silently you know, walk out after they've listened to everything or the cynic who's going to listen longer. Well, if you arrange those, then you're going to want to put the one you feel is going to be less interested in what you have to say as the first person that gets their red meat. And then on your priority list, the second person who's less likely to hear you out completely you want them the next priority and you want the, the, the second biggest holdout as the third priority and the longest holdout to be your last priority. 
and you want to have the finesse being able to change into each red meat delivery when uh, before they tune you out and lose interest. So that's my challenge for you today. Uh, till next time on the Joe Danier podcast.